0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see
1: you, and uh, yeah, my voice is going to sound like this the whole time, but uh, thanks for being here just the same. As you just heard from Greg Mundus, our previous executive director of Summers of God World Missions, we're joining in with uh, thousands of other Summers of God churches, 13,000 in the uh, United States, for this missions theme, Christ Among Us, and we're excited to see that, so you'll see that over the next month or so. Uh, Last week, we had an incredible week, Scoreboard Sunday. How many people enjoyed what God did last week? It was awesome. And uh, I was sick this whole week and I kind of felt like I had a holy hangover, you know, the whole time. And uh, I'm not real sure what a different one would feel like, but I had a holy one anyway. Uh, and uh, so, but I was like, man, it'd just be awesome. Cause I was, I was, I was sick all week. I was like, what if we just did last Sunday again this week? And uh, then I was reminded, like, it sounds good, but I, I reminded myself of passage in scripture. It's the Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. You can read about that in the Gospels. And uh, Jesus had snuck away with three of his closest followers, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, and they went up the mountain, and then uh, Moses, Elijah showed up. It was a spiritual moment. It was a spiritual high point. I think, like last week, we had a spiritual high point. Now, it wasn't just attendance, but we celebrated with 42 people that were baptized in water, dozens more testimonies of people that are now set free, delivered. They've been healed. They've been provided for like God, did incredible things in their lives. And, and uh, back then, Peter, just like I felt this week, he went up to Jesus and he was like, this is awesome. Let's do it again. In fact, Peter said, Jesus, if it's okay with you, that was a nice thing for Peter to offer to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Jesus, if it's okay with you, what if we just build some shelters and we just live in this moment? What if we hold on to these spiritual goosebumps that we're feeling, the four of us, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, what if we just stay like this? And I think I kind of felt that way even as the pastor. What if we just stay in that scoreboard Sunday feeling? And Jesus said, no. He said, we need to leave this spiritual high point and go down to the mountain. What Jesus was saying is, is that it was awesome to be in the presence, but there's a purpose for the presence. There's ministry at the bottom of the mountain. And the Bible says that Jesus and those three, they went down to the bottom of the mountain. And what happened? If you've uh, studied scripture a lot, you might know this, but the Bible says they encountered a dad whose son was demon possessed. And Jesus said, this is the purpose for the presence. This is the ministry at the bottom of the mountain. Jesus said what you saw up there should give you the power to go bring it to the people that are hurting down here. And the dad was like, Jesus, your disciples, they couldn't figure it out. My son is still tormented. Jesus like, oh, this kind of only comes up by prayer and fasting. But then then he set him free, and then the whole region was changed. But none of that would have happened if Jesus and the three dudes just said, let's just stay in this spiritual experience. Right? So, so, our students might experience that at a youth convention or, or summer camp, and, and we get to experience that. I, I'm telling you, I've been in services my entire life. I'm 41 years old or young, but no, I'm definitely 41 years old. Uh, uh, I've been in services my whole life, and what we experienced last week is unlike any other local church Sunday morning service I've ever been part of. Right. Ever. And yet, we would miss out on the purpose of that presence if we just tried to perpetuate it for our own enjoyment. And Jesus said there's ministry at the other side of the mountain. And so this month, that's what we're going to talk about. More than spiritual goosebumps last week, although we thank God for what he did, there's a purpose for what we celebrated last week, what we experienced, what we encountered. And it is what we call the Great Commission. That's what Jesus said. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. So it's the Great Commission. Commission. It's we are on co-mission with him to go into all the world. Can I get a good amen? So pray for me that my voice will hold up today. Pastor Dan mentioned I'm going to be preaching uh, a miracle service tonight down in Dodge Center, and some of our team is going to come with. So be in prayer uh, at six o'clock for that as well. That my voice will hold up, and that the power of God will be displayed. And we're going to look at this here today. I love what uh, I've been in the service of God my whole life, and I never heard what I heard in that video from Greg Munis. that that initially our missionaries were called people of the one-way ticket. That when they said yes to go, they weren't sure that they'd ever come back. Now I know it's totally different when it's going all the way around the world, but in that moment that I heard Greg say that from the front row, it reminded me of, again, I understand it's totally different, but when our family moved here eight and a half years ago from North Carolina up to Minnesota, and I told my dad, when we go, we're not coming back. He said, are you gonna come back? You're not getting Christmas presents. I said, we'll come back for Christmas presents. <laughs> but it was like one of those moments that we knew and, and, and it's, I could only imagine What it would be like when you're not moving states, but you're moving around the world. And these are our heroes, those who've gone on before us, who've said yes to serve the Lord around the world. And so my prayer this month is we get to hear for the entire month about what God is doing, both across the street and around the world. It's my hope that we pray and ask him to show us where we can be involved in what he's already doing. That's an important thing. We're not just gonna look at a map or come up with an idea. Hey, we've got the idea to fix the world. Newsflash, man's ideas have never fixed the world or woman's ideas either, but that was a capital M, man, for mankind. On our own, we're not gonna fix what ails the world, but it's only through him, through the finished work of Jesus. And so we're asking the Holy Spirit, show us where we can be involved and partnered with him. Again, next week at Taste of Nations, I hope you sign up for that. Uh, We'll give you a brand new Kingdom Builders book of different partners projects for the next year. You'll want to see that. If you aren't able to come next Sunday night, we'll miss you. We're not going to save any food for you, but uh, you can get your book the week after or whatever that is. All right, let's look at this. Week number one, we're talking about giving today. Next week, we'll be going and then sending and then helping. 2 Corinthians chapter eight. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 12, but let's just do the first seven uh, for the sake of time here this morning. The Bible says this way, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability Entirely on their own, they urged and pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace. On your part, but since you excel in everything—in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness—and in the love we've kindled in you look at this, he said, "See that you also excel in this grace of giving." Now it's interesting, isn't it? We talked uh, two weeks ago about the tithe, and some people say, "Well, we're not Old Testament people; we're New Testament people. We're now under—we're uh, no longer under the law; we're under grace." Here we see in the New Testament that there is actually a grace from God, forgiving. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We see your son Jesus revealed through the help of the Holy Spirit. And we ask now, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us about how we can be part of what you are already doing around the world in all peoples. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church and he encouraged them to excel in the grace of giving. I believe through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that exhortation still rings true for us today. Let me give you some background context on this passage. Uh, The Corinthian church that Paul was writing to is not unlike the American church in 2023. Let me just summarize it the quickest way I can. The Corinthian church had a lot of problems. Don't look at your neighbor, but you can say we do too. Amen. So in the text, we read they had a lot of sexual problems in their society and in their church. Definitely don't look at your neighbor at that point. But, but I'm just saying what Paul was writing about through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to them, I believe, is still applicable to us. But he also said, hey, let me tell you about what God is doing in another church. So he wrote to the Corinthian church about the Macedonian church. So it's actually biblical to hear in church about another church or people group of churches that's going on. And uh, these Macedonians gave to help the church. In Jerusalem. By the way, uh, it's still true today. Those who bless and support uh, Israel, Jerusalem, the, the people of God, uh, still get to operate in a grace from God. There is blessing for those who bless the people of God, and uh, we still believe that today. Often, we don't talk about In America, we don't talk about giving and money nearly as much, but the Bible is filled with examples where money and giving were talked about right out in the open and not just in a general, hey, you should give sense, but like in a specific way. The leaders would actually sit there. Jesus did this too. It wasn't just other people. Jesus would sit there, and as people would bring the offering up, he'd be like, all right, not too bad, pretty good, all right, let's see who's next, okay. We we even read an account when Jesus asked, the other uh, leaders, who do you think gave the most? I'd just like to let you know we've never sat around on a Monday and gone, well, staff, who do you think gave the most yesterday? Maybe that means we're not as much like Jesus as we thought. But I'm just saying, this is what happened back then. I don't think this is a practice that would be highly encouraged in 2023. Megan's like, yep, don't do it, Pastor. I saw that. And Scott's just staring right at me, but Megan's like, don't do it. Okay, anyway. I was like, I can't look at you when I'm talking. Okay, Jesus said, no, it wasn't the one who gave the most that gave the most. It was interesting. He said it was the lady that didn't have much that gave the most. She gave out of faith, not out of excess. So it was interesting, right? We can see that in scripture. But, but Paul was telling one church about the generosity of another church. And in other words, I think it's, it's so true today. As Summers of God, we're part of the Minnesota Summers of God, United States of Summers of God, Global Summers of God, right? There's 250 other... Some of God Churches here in Minnesota, we get to join with and partner with 13,000 in America, uh, just under 400,000 around the world on our way to a million, by the way, in the next 10 years. But we're joining together for this theme of missions, Christ Among Us, because we're not doing it on our own. It's not just what one person or one church is doing. We're doing this together, just like in the Bible. Paul was saying, look at these other believers. Why don't you join with them in what God is doing, and so they got to hear about what it is. So I'm thankful we're not embarking upon this month, this call, this challenge of giving on our own, but rather we're joining in with so many other people and that we're giving in cooperation with one another, not out of competition against one another. You're not trying to outgive your neighbor. You're not trying to compete with them. It'd be really weird if you're married, you know, but I'm just saying, we're not trying to be better or give more than somebody else down the street or another state around the world. What we're doing is what God asks us to do. And we get to do that in cooperation with one another. We're not competing with one another, but combining each gift and asking the Lord to multiply it. And this is what the Macedonian people were doing. And they had great joy and even exceeded expectations. So as we talk about missions for this month uh, and we use those words kingdom builders and being part of what God is doing around the world, you'll see this in your book next week and you'll hear it throughout the time. We believe that we're called to both neighbors and nations. And so we understand that missions hold some cross-cultural language, geographic changes. um, But I don't know if you noticed or not, but it's become quite easy for us in the Twin Cities to go cross-culturally as the world has come to us. Now, there'll be opportunities where we'll go to the world and we still are praying that God will raise up people to go into all the world. But we, uh, unless our eyes are closed, we, we can't miss the fact that the world has also come to us. And I know there's a geographic change that can happen when we're on an airplane, but the truth is we can drive to places close by within a tank of gas for sure that feel much different maybe than the neighborhood that you slept in last night. And we want to be people who are part of what God is doing everywhere, and that includes our neighbors and the nations. Amen? All right, so let's look at this. There's three things that we see right here in this text that are all about giving, and uh, then we'll give one illustration, and we'll be on our way. Number one, we give joyfully. We give joyfully. Paul said there was a grace that God had given the Macedonian churches that enabled them to give joyfully, even though they were going through hard times. Now in the next chapter, Paul would say, God loves a cheerful giver, but we give joyfully. I've heard a lot of discussion on happiness and joy. And I think one of the easiest uh, uh, ways that I've heard it described is that happiness is based upon what is happening around us and joy is based upon what's happened inside of us. Right. Happiness might be on our circumstances. Did we get a pay raise or did we get let go? Did our team win or did our team lose? Did our kids make the honor roll or did they get uh, a suspension? Yeah, I don't know what's going on in your house and in your world, but those things can impact our happiness, but none of those should impact our joy. Joy comes from what Jesus has already done for us. And there's no amount of pay increase or decrease that changes the price that Jesus paid for us. So there's joy that's on the inside. And I've had the privilege to travel and speak in a number of different countries around the world. And one of the things that I love when I get that opportunity is we were just in Kazakhstan, a group here from the church just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I love the offering times in churches around the world. Uh, I've looked around the room and, and most of the rooms that I've been in on these different trips, um, I've, I've not asked, but I suspect it's one of my spiritual gifts, suspicion. I suspect that as I look around, I haven't seen, well, I'll just say it how I feel it. I think we're doing better financially than most of the rooms I've been in around the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we were there, right, Jeremy? We were seeing these kind of things. And yet, they were all, they're always so happy. They're always so joyful when it comes time to giving. Even uh, I was at the Uyghur church. People who were persecuted and fled China for fear of life and don't have freedom of religion where they're from. And, and when it came time to give, they played music and they said, we're the most musical people on earth. I don't know if it's true or not, but they told me, so I went with it. Google said it might be true. I didn't have the ability to tell them they were wrong. They didn't understand me. I didn't understand them, but I was interpreted through two languages, and apparently they were very musical, and they began to play music, and they were dancing in front of everybody, and these are people who are persecuted, don't have much, and... And yet they were so grateful. I I think back to the times I've been in Africa and, and you see they've come a long way and clothes might be dusty. And yet when it comes time for the offering, they play music and they begin to dance because they've got joy. And a lot of times it convicts me, what is the revelation of God's goodness in my life that I've missed that they've caught hold of? Because I... I'm only speaking for myself, of course, not for you. Maybe the people in the first service—they're like me, you know—and struggle with that understanding. You have a perfect reflection of God's goodness in your understanding, but 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 I find myself sometimes so consumed with the cares and concerns of this world that it seems to dampen my joy in the moment. Of giving, and yet these brothers and sisters around the world who have so much less in the area of uh, tangible financial blessings, but also usually in, in terms of freedom of worship, of religion, and yet they're so joyful. Why? Because they have a better understanding, a better revelation of what God has done for them than even I do. And they just can't help but give God thanks. I want to be filled with that kind of joy in my worship. So here's my question to you this morning, friends. Have you allowed the struggles of this world, the cares and concerns of our day to dampen your joy when it comes to the privilege of giving? Maybe my challenge to you this morning On this first point, as we shift into the holiday season, maybe some of you are still waiting for that holiday. You want to decorate for the other holiday. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. In my house, we do what my wife wants, and we're decorated for Christmas. But my challenge to you, if you've lost it, is to get your joy back. And that goes beyond your decorations or your wish lists. This is about, re- about remembering what God has done for you and letting that joy fill you so that then you can overflow and make a difference in how you live here on this earth. The text says that the Macedonians pleaded with their leaders for the privilege of sharing in the joy of giving. Wouldn't that be a church service to be in? <laughs> like in the middle of the pastor's sermon, somebody stands up, they're like, Pastor, can we do another offering? Because I didn't quite get it all out the first time. <laughs> it's, it's real quiet in here. Ain't nobody volunteering today. That's <laughs> okay. But, but this is what happened, right? They, they understood that they, it was a privilege to be put in a place to be a blessing to others. Right? We understand from scripture, it's more blessed to give than receive. Why? Because it means you've already been the recipient. If you're in position to give, it means you've been more blessed than the one who is still needing to receive. Sometimes I remind myself of this as I'm walking and I see somebody on a street corner and and I maybe like some of you will battle. Well, what are they gonna use the money for and what's going on? And I'm pretty certain again, my spiritual gift of discernment kicks in and either way, I'm quite convinced regardless of what I give them, regardless of what they use it for, I'm still gonna be more blessed than they will be. The odds of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company thinking it was a fun Friday to stand at the corner of Culver's is pretty small, friends. So regardless, we consider it a blessing to give because it means we've been in the position that we've already received, amen? This is what the Macedonians understood, and they had great joy as their generosity was turbocharged. All right, number two, another thing that we do, we we not only give joyfully, but we give sacrificially, or at least the Macedonians did. The Bible says that they gave as much as they were able I just want to mention here that I want to add some things that I feel like as I was reading and thinking and praying and and studying this week, but I want to be careful to mention that what I'm about to say is not technically listed in the scripture, but we compare it to the whole council of scripture, and I think I'm on point there. But I believe the Macedonian people had proper planning in their lives. here's what I mean. The Bible says that they had extreme hardship, extreme poverty. So what it means is they had struggles, and yet they were still able to give something above and beyond. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that means they had put plans in place. We might use a different word. It's called, it's the B word. It's a budget. Because they didn't have extra to give and yet somehow they were able to give and the Bible says they gave as much as they were able but let me just remind us of a couple things here that equal sacrifice does not mean equal giving or at least not equal amounts this is important right Um, but I do believe it's important for all of us to make a plan to give sacrificially for the work of the kingdom now as a, because it's 2023, let me make sure. I know sometimes what we believe is as much erroneous things that we've been told, but, but I've come to find out, maybe you've noticed if people say it long enough and loud enough, they become credible, which is a whole different problem. Uh, but let me just say this. Giving sacrificially does not mean giving so much that you're worried about how you'll feed your kids. Look at it in the context of the whole of scripture. We also are told that if we don't provide for our family, then we're worse than an unbeliever. So whatever person, whether it's a pastor, person on TV or parent has said, give till it hurts. I don't think so. I just gotta be honest with you. I don't, show me the verse where we're supposed to give till it hurts. The truth is it's never hurt when I've given to the work of God. Now that doesn't say that there wasn't some times where I almost took my breath away when God was like, this is what I want you to do. But it never hurts when we're partnering with God. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I don't read in this account in Corinthians about the Macedonian church. We don't read in any extra biblical texts, historical documents that the Macedonian kids all starved to death because their parents gave so much in the offering. Right. We don't read it in scripture. So let's not make that our pattern, let's not make that our aim, let's not allow the truth that we should all sacrifice something to be distorted into to sacrifice your kids so that they hate the work of God because you wanted to give in the offering, okay? It's not in the Bible, therefore, we're not going to buy into that. However, I do suspect, it's also part of my spiritual gifts I mentioned that here in our blessed life in America, there's probably something we could all sacrifice for the work of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not inferring that you sacrifice so much that you struggle to make ends meet. Don't become the case of needing help because you just get, no, that's, that's not there either, right? Uh, and I'm, in fact, not going to list things today that you could sacrifice for the work of the kingdom, I heard a lot of people, they're like, well, if you gave up coffee, you could save this much. I'd be like, listen, but I wouldn't be nice. <laughs> so leave coffee alone. We could be saved and happy. That's, that's, that's okay. So like pick something else. Maybe you want to give up tea. There's something we can <laughs> agree on. I'm just kidding, I'm drinking tea this morning for my throat. Don't send me an email about either one. But isn't it funny how we love to say, if you gave up this and it's never something we want to or struggle to give up. I'm like, well, if we gave up vegetables, nobody cares. <laughs> like, I just, I just wanna say, you're never gonna hear from me. Friends, let's give up pizza this month for missions. <laughs> nope. I mean, unless the Lord tells me, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna have to tell me more than once. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to be in ICU for three days with a stroke to move to Minnesota. How much difficult do you think it will be for me to give up pizza? (laughs) But we can sacrifice something. And the key is that we're not prescribing the sacrifice. We're describing what the Macedonians did and applying it to our life. That if the Lord puts something on our heart, then we ought to obey him and not put it on everybody else. So listen, if you don't like coffee, it's no sacrifice for you to be like, I'm not gonna buy coffee in November for missions. You don't buy any any other month, so nobody cares. (laughs) And by the way, we're not like publicly comparing our sacrifice to somebody else. That's a Pharisaic religious mentality. Look at what I'm doing for God that we don't wanna be part of. So if you want to give up coffee or you want to give up pizza, that's fine. We're not hanging out this month. But when God asks you to do something, don't live in disobedience to what he asks. And what I'm telling you is all of us here in Minnesota, living in the South Metro, there is something that each and every one of us could sacrifice for the work of the kingdom And I encourage you, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, listen to what the Lord asks of you. So we do this as part of a plan, and we we have that set where we're like, you know, tithing and monthly bills and all that, but then we as a family, the Ross family, we say, what is our plan? What is our budget that we want to help support missionaries and different things on a monthly deal? And and I, I would encourage you to do that as well. On your way out today, you'll get a card, and I'll talk about it later, and you're not turning it in. It's not, there's nowhere to put your name. It's just for you and your family to say, God, what are you wanting us to do? What can we make a plan for? i found if you don't have a plan, you'll never do it for anything. Higher education, saving up for a home down payment, paying off debt. You're never going to do it if you don't have a plan. None of us oopsies our way into success. He said oopsies. (laughs) So have a plan, all right? This is what Paul said. Our sacrificial giving proves the sincerity of our love. Let me continue reading in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. He goes on to say, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. You know, the Bible says that God demonstrated, he proved his sincerity of his love for us when Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that a proof of our sincerity isn't that we have to die on the cross, we just give to others? (laughs) Seems a little bit easier to do these days. And I, for one, am glad for that, that my generosity is an acceptable evidence of the sincerity of my love for him. And others, so, so that card that you'll receive on the way out are to give you some tangible deals of what certain gifts like per month, will help and different ones of our partners, and they're just for your family to go and do. There's a, a church goal listed on there, um, believing by the grace of God, our goal next year for 500,000 uh, for kingdom builders, all missions deals, that you'll see, again, all this stuff next week when you get your book and what's going to happen, and, and praying about what your family part is as well. Number three. We give miraculously. And this is where it gets really fun. Uh, we give miraculously. The Bible says that the Macedonians gave what they were able and even beyond their ability. Wow, yeah. Now, the truth is, friends, you can't give what you don't have. If you only have $100, you cannot give $200. Some of you are like, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared for a math lesson. If that tricked you. <laughs> um, you can't give what you don't have. Now that's true beyond finances too. If you don't have joy, you can't give somebody else joy. If you don't have a word, a revelation in your own heart, you can't give a word to somebody else, right? You can't give what you don't. If you don't have peace, you can't give somebody else peace. This is true in all these areas, but you can't give what you don't have. But the Bible says they gave what they were able and even beyond their ability. Now, I wasn't a math major in college, but I'm just telling you, you can't do that. So what must have happened was God did miracles. That's the only explanation that I could think of because you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give more than what you're able unless God gets involved. Like think of it this way. Here's another New Testament story. Of multiplication because our God is a God of multiplication and whenever he gets involved it's always multiplication and never division uh, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was teaching people thousands of people they went out into the countryside and Jesus was teaching from the hill and there was like 5,000 men plus women and children could have been 15 20,000 people were at church listening to Jesus and they got hungry and then Jesus kept teaching and then they got hangry And Jesus told the disciples, he's like, hey, go feed them. And they were like, we can't, it's Sunday, Chick-fil-A's closed. (laughs) And Jesus said, well, go find out what you do have. And the Bible says that a little bit later, Andrew came back and he brought a young boy to Jesus. By the way, we don't know a whole lot about Andrew. We don't have a whole lot of descriptions or stories about him, but whenever we read about Andrew in the scripture, Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. Not a bad description or a goal for for our lives as well. Maybe you're not the most famous. Maybe you don't give all the speeches, but could you bring people to Jesus? And this young boy came to Jesus and all he had, the Bible says, is five loaves and two fish. How many people know that's not enough to feed 15,000 people? Unless you give it to God. And the boy gave what he was able and even beyond what he was able. The Bible says, Jesus took the little boy's lunch. When I read the story, I think of him as a little chubby boy partially because that's what I was, maybe still is, but that's beside the point, but definitely was. When I was a kid, my clothing size was husky, leave me alone. (laughs) And I think this little boy had a mom just like mine and she packed him some snacks, packed him a lunch. They were like, Tommy gets hangry when he don't have lunch. She gave him; it was, it was gonna be some Lunchables, but it was just five loaves and two fish. And he brought it to Jesus and Jesus, the Bible says he blessed it, he broke it and it multiplied. He handed it to the disciples and they went out and they gave everybody their lunch. Now, how can everybody share five loaves and two fish if it's touched the hands of Jesus? He gave what he was able, and then it was more. It was even beyond his ability. That boy's lunch did not have the ability to feed the multitudes, but Jesus did. And the boy gave his lunch, and Jesus multiplied it, and he gave what he was able, and even beyond what he was able. Because so often when we give God what we can, he gets involved, and it multiplies, and there's more than when it began. The Bible says that the disciples went around and they collected leftovers from five loaves and two fish. And there was 12 baskets full enough to go back and take. Each disciple had one, tribes of Israel, plenty of theology. But here's what I want you to know. When we do what God asks us to do, when we give what we can, what we're able, he gets involved, he blesses it, he multiplies it. And there's more than when we begin. It doesn't make sense. But it happens, and we give miraculously, and this is where the fun really begins. It's so easy for Americans to become focused on the amount instead of our attitude. But did you know the amount wasn't like the miracle? (laughs) In fact, um, there there was nothing that said Jesus was like, oh, good. If it had been four loaves and two fish, I tried it last week, and it didn't work. You know, sometimes, do you you read the Bible and think like that? Sometimes we act like that, don't we? We're like, well, God, what I have, it's not going to be enough. If it was just a little bit more, then you could meet the needs. And God's like, oh, you think that fifth loaf is the key to this miracle? (laughs) Like, I don't even know. What if little Tommy had eaten two loaves before? We don't know. We just know what he gave to Jesus, Jesus could work with. And so many times we get focused on the amount instead of the attitude. What's the attitude? Jesus just needs the attitude of faith. Then he said, you know what? This is enough to feed me, but I know that there are more than just me that's hungry today. And he said, you know what? Here, Jesus, you can have this. Why don't you go to work and feed everybody with it? It's, it's the attitude of faith, not the amount of money that God needs for a miracle. Newsflash, your individual amount, even our collective amount, is not enough to fulfill the entire Great Commission. Like this last year, we've given hundreds of thousands of dollars away, millions of dollars over the last few years, and guess what? It's all gone. And the world isn't reached yet. And it's not just us, we're joining in with thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of other churches around the world that are saying we want to be part of what God is doing. So newsflash, our amount is not the key to the miracle. It's just our part. But we can bring the attitude or the atmosphere of faith and see what God does. So Paul concludes the remarks with these instructions. I don't wanna read these to you, show you one thing and, and we'll pray and be dismissed. Verse 10, he goes on to say, 2 Corinthians chapter eight, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give but to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. He was just telling them about this other group of people that gave what they were able and then a miracle happened and he reminds these believers, just do what you can. You know, so often when it comes to these areas of kingdom builders and different things, we say, don't do the math, just do your part. Now, it's weird because my wife gave me a hard time because, uh, yeah, you know what, you can just set them down, I'll put them all out, it's fine, yeah, it's fine. No, you can put it on the ground. And then I'll pick it back up. There you go. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, She said, well, it's weird because on this card that we give people on the way out, it does explain some math. And I know that sometimes math helps. It's like, you know, with with Convoy of Hope, one of our partners that, uh, you know, 10 bucks a month will feed a kid. So we have these, these buckets, right, of things. And so we have the tithe bucket, and that, that takes care of the ministries here in the church and things that are going on. So you understand that, we, we get that. But then we have uh, Kingdom Builders, which is our missions, but we have all these other buckets inside of it, right? And so on the card that you'll get on the way out, that's just for you, there's nowhere to turn it in, but it is a place for you to pray as a family, what, what God wants. So like with Convoy of Hope, one of our partners, um, you know. so they feed hungry kids around the world. So for 10 bucks a month, you don't get a card back, but we can feed, and so we're feeding over 100 kids Every school day because of Kingdom Builders giving here at Celebration Church. So, so that, that's there. It's on there. So maybe you're like, I don't want to give up two coffees. But if you wanted to give a gift to Kingdom Builders, that just gives you. So sometimes math helps us understand what the sacrifice is uh, going towards. Uh, If you're going to sacrifice like for your physical body, if you want um, a six pack of abs, not of Diet Coke, but you might want to give up pizza because it's like worth the sacrifice for that. So sometimes the math helps you, but we're not really aiming for math. We're just praying to ask God. So then we've got these other partners. It's uh, priority one. Uh, We're building uh, the Bible school there, everything is around MM33, how do we build the Bible school, the building there in Kazakhstan for Bishop Yurkin, so that they can train other pastors, because if we're going to plant 600,000 churches in the next 10 years we need pastors, and so we build the Bible school to train them um, another one, Global University, oh that's the training for those pastors, so every, a lot of things are really pointing to that, so there's a lot of uh, buckets, and and the youth have Speed to Light, and uh, so you can buy cookies today, or whatever they have, BGMC, that's the kids, Uh, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge, used to be called Crusade, but those are out. Uh, So it's a challenge. (laughs) It was Crusade when I was a kid, that's why I started to say it. Now it's just BGMC anyway. So there's a lot of buckets and then local and global Uh, missionaries, and we got other missionaries we'll come back to that, we got local partners so we'll have that in three weeks Uh, we always love that Sunday where we get to hear from them Uh, ministry education, we're trying to uh, help those people get trained, and and then within missionaries there's more buckets and so then there's all these individual cups because we support over 40 missionaries and so then we have all these cups and so it's hard sometimes for Pastor Vicente to try to tell me about all the different things that we're doing and we're part of, and I work here and so we have these different buckets and it's like, what, what do we have going on? And so then this whole idea of, I'm tired of putting them out. I'll just leave them like that. Um, so, so one of the things in the book is trying to help say, how many of you have seen that meme on Facebook where maybe it's not a meme, I'm not sure, but they ask you which bucket is going to fill up first. And they got like weird little lines that are missing and a hole in the bottom of one. And I hate those posts, by the way. Um, but sometimes... It feels like we play that game with who's going to pay. There we go. My batteries went out. Okay, who do offering for batteries? No, we don't need to do that. So, so sometimes when it comes to the work of God, to missions, to kingdom builders, it feels like we're playing which bucket will fill up first. But the truth is, it's not about which bucket will fill up first because we need every bucket to be filled. Like, like that whole Facebook post is trying to figure out which bucket gets the blessing and all the other ones, who cares? And my concern for the American church is if we just pick the bucket based upon what feels good, we're going to miss out on some buckets that are needed, but the truth is they don't feel quite as good. We love helping the hurting and those that we could tangibly see that. I mean, if you don't want to help feed a hungry kid, you've got problems. But how many people know we also need workers in parts of the world that have never heard the good news of Jesus and it might be years before they get to pray with somebody to receive Jesus as their Savior. And if we're not careful, we might say, well, that bucket doesn't matter as much and I just like my bucket." So one of the strategies or one of the benefits of being together in a group of people with boatloads of churches participating is we get to put all the buckets in there together and put them away because I'm about done preaching, right? And we say, we're going to fill them all at the same time. The ones that emotionally make me feel better about myself and the ones that intellectually I know need to be done, but they're not as warm and fuzzy, we're gonna do them all together. We're gonna support missionaries that can easily communicate the vision that God has given them and the story in their country, but we're also gonna support the ones that, I don't know how to say this, they're great missionaries, but they're terrible American communicators. I hope I didn't offend you. I got way more that's more offendable than that. The truth is sometimes what makes somebody a great missionary around the world makes it really difficult for them to communicate with us at hundreds of people at a time. But one-on-one, they're in their sweet spot. And if we decide who's a valuable missionary based upon who can tell the cutest story, we're gonna be missing out on what God is calling us to do. And so we say, you know what, to Pastor Vicente and the missions team and, and the trips that are going, we don't want to just fill one of the buckets. We want to fill them all. And so that's the joy that we get to have when we give to Kingdom Builders. We get to fill all the buckets. And for this month, you get to hear testimonies. And in the book, you get to read about what that is. But we're saying, God, let us be part of what you're already doing around the world. Amen. Amen. So as you leave, you'll get this card uh, about some of these different buckets. And they're just examples because sometimes we all like specific things. And then trying to figure out if if God gives you increase through the year, what could you do? What could you be part of? Now, I'm gonna close rather quickly. I'm gonna pray and Pastor Josiah is gonna come. Oh, he's in the back. There he is. I was like, I think it's him. He was in first service. He's gonna come and dismiss us. But there's no like, Closing story or video or opportunity to try to get you to cry or be like, oh, we got to do something like there's a lot we can do. How many people know the needs are almost endless? We, we could show every video. We could tell every story maybe another time. But today, I don't want any semblance of emotional tear jerking. When I walked in, I had a box of Kleenexes. somebody said, don't cry today, Pastor. I said, I'm just not feeling well. It's not about crying. I don't want any semblance of emotional manipulation or, or pointing you towards something. I really like this bucket or could you pick that one? No, I just, here's my prayer or my ask is if everybody would pray. On the way out, you'll get a card just outlining some of the things, but that's for you and your family to have as a prayer card this year, next week when you get the book. There's no like, tell us what you're gonna do. It's, it's a prayer thing. I, I really can't think of anything else to do then to ask everybody to pray, God, what's our part? So Dane and I and our kids, we've been praying about that. God, what's, what's our part? Part of this goal for the church. What, what's a dream if there's an amount of increase or something that is unexpected? Because we're gonna make a plan based upon our income, but if there's something different that happens, we wanna say, God, we wanna be ready to move when you open a door, because we want not just one or two buckets or cups filled. We want to see them all filled because we believe every person on the face of the earth deserves the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their language, in a way they can understand so that they can choose for themselves to say yes to Jesus or to stay dead in their sin. And so that's our desire that we get to be part of together. So I'm going to pray and Pastor Josiah will dismiss us in a moment. When you leave, you'll get one of these cards and There's opportunities to be part of stuff, but uh, I'm just gonna ask everybody to pray, not just today, but continually. God, what what would you have us to do when we see people in our community, when we hear stories around the world? What would you have us do? And, And to make a plan, to be like those Macedonians so that we can say, we're gonna do what we're able. And when we do what we're able, I'm gonna pray that God will do what he's able. The Bible says he's more than able. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we ask or imagine. And we're praying by the grace of God that this next year will be the greatest year of kingdom advancement that he's ever allowed us to be part of, in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for your people, those that have gathered here at celebration, those that are watching online or maybe at another time. I thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. We don't take it lightly of your goodness and your grace that has changed us from the inside out. And we say thank you, like the Macedonians, for the privilege of giving to the work of your kingdom, of being part of what you're doing in our neighbors and in the nations. So today, I pray, and every day going forward, would you speak to us, your people, about how we can be part of what you're doing, of sharing your story, with those who will hear. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Pastor Josiah.
0: We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook email us at info@celebrationchurch.net at Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week